0: And uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with his word, and more in love with people. And uh, it's good to be in the Lord's house and uh, good to have the opportunity to sing songs like that. Songs of praise. And uh, man, I don't know about you, but I love spring. Just see all the flowers and all the Beautiful things that are taking place, it's, it's just as if God has reached down once again and said, new life, new life again. And so, uh, man, it's good to be in God's house. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 20. Whether you have it on your phone or in your hand, man, this is the best place you can bring your Bible to, amen? And I won't even be upset with you when you bring your Bible, right? Eh? That's, that's a good deal, amen? Say Amen. Okay, all right, all right. It's a good place to bring your Bible when you come to the Lord's house. And so we're going to look at a short passage of Scripture. A couple of weeks ago, man, we celebrated uh, Easter. And then last Sunday, if you missed it, you missed it. I want to encourage you to go to our website. If you missed last Sunday's message, Travis preached a powerful, powerful message uh, talking about how the resurrection denotes authority. And so uh, he kind of followed up and then. Uh, uh, what a wonderful, wonderful message and, and personal testimony he shared. I'd encourage you to go listen to that. It'll bless your heart. John chapter 20. Here, we're going to pick up in a passage of Scripture. Jesus is risen from the dead. And Mary and the other Mary, they had gone out to the sepulcher to anoint the body. And when they get there, voila, he's gone. And the angel tells them he is risen. He's he's not there. And so they run. And, and uh, before we pick up in Scripture, in John chapter 20... Uh, Jesus tells Mary in verse 17, and this is just for extra thought. He says, touch me not for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend to my father and your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. So before we even pick up, that's just extra. The beautiful thing that I see right here is that Mary believed, she believed so much, That she was willing to go and tell other people that Jesus was alive. Amen? That won't cost you anything, but that's just a beautiful point right there in verses 17 and 18. Now pick up with me in verse number 19, because here's where we find our text for this morning. Then the same day, notice it's the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them. Notice what he says. He says, peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the songs that we've been able to sing. God, the time that we've been able to spend in your word, even earlier this morning, and just God, just learning from you, hearing from you. Lord, this morning, as we open up your word, I'm reminded there are so many people from our church family, so many who are facing surgery, so many people who are dealing with physical illnesses, and so many who are traveling, and on and on, and various needs within various homes. So, Lord, I ask you to answer and to heal and to, and to bring about the change that's necessary in, in these different requests and these different petitions that I'm sure families have made throughout this week. And, Lord, you are certainly aware of each and every need in this place. And Those who are watching online, Lord, I pray that you would bless them for their effort to worship with us as well this morning. God, I pray that you be with me through the next few moments of time and that, Lord, this message will be pleasing to you. And, Lord, that you'll use it. Lord, that you'll use it to not only to bless, but to encourage us. But, God, that you'll also use it to challenge us, to remind us of our opportunity that we have each and every day that you give us breath. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that doesn't know Christ as their Savior in this room, or online this morning, or somebody who watches in the future, Lord, I pray that through the teaching of your word and the wooing of the Holy Spirit that they will come to repentance, Lord, that they will trust Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, for those who may have strayed or those who have been taking a different road rather than your road, Lord, I pray that you'll draw them back close to yourself. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we praise you for all that you'll do for it's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus that we do pray and for his sake we pray, amen. Amen. Well, as we begin this morning, if you take a look at our text, I'm reminded of the disciples. You think about the disciples that we find in the gospel. And the disciples that we find in the gospel, they're a mess, aren't they? They're, they're always falling over themselves. They, they've got problems just like you and me. And to be honest, when you read the, the, the gospels, you're probably thinking, man, those disciples aren't so impressive. I mean, they're not really doing big things for Jesus here. It seems like he's having remedial training sessions over and over with the disciples. By the way, I would suggest that's what he does with us. But when we get to the book of Acts, we see a different thing. We find that the disciples are unstoppable. We see their boldness, we see their courage. So much so that when we look in the book of Acts versus the gospels, what we see over here is is disciples who who are a mess, right? But when we get over here, we see that these disciples are unstoppable. What do you think makes the difference? The difference is Jesus, obviously, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit power. And so, by the way, the answer has always been Jesus. It's always been Jesus. No matter what we think, it's always been Jesus. I saw a post recently who asked people to put down their favorite superhero. And... uh, It was one of our church members, and the choices were somewhat limited. I'm going to be real honest with you. The choices were somewhat limited, as this was for a school math project. I noticed that some of you had made comments on this post asking who your favorite superhero was. Names like Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, Iron Man, and Captain America all made the list even though everyone in this room, let's just get right with Jesus this morning, everyone in this room knows that Batman, Batman <laughs> is the one who reigns supreme. He's a regular dude. He's susceptible to being hurt. It's Batman. No questions needed. <laughs> I know, I'm going to get 50 emails. Seriously, though, the name that should be top of our list... You notice the series title, right? Superheroes. I'm guessing you can figure out who the superhero is going to be next week. Mom. But today we're going to talk about the greatest superhero of all, Jesus. I'm sorry, Dad. You didn't make the superhero list this year. Because that's in June. (laughs) All right. The name at the top of every believer's list of superheroes should be the name above every name. He's the greatest superhero of all. His name is Jesus. I said he's the greatest superhero of all. Man, what would happen if we went out of this place actually believing that Jesus was the greatest superhero of all? I believe Northern Virginia would be shook up. You know, Jesus had 12 disciples and then 11 and then replaced. What if we went out and we really believed that Jesus was the greatest superhero of all When I think about Jesus, I think about someone who was the promised Messiah. He was the one who came to seek and save that which was lost, including me. He made the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear. He walked on water, by the way. Uh, He raised the dead. He fed thousands and thousands of people with five uh, little barley loaves and a couple of small fishes. He never gave in to temptation. He never sinned. And best of all, he sacrificed his life for you and for me. Then he arose, conquering death, hell, and the grave. I'd say he's the greatest superhero of all. And if that's not enough for you, he's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hold on, let me try that again. If that's not enough for you, he's still the King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, man, you guys got to get excited. We're talking about Jesus today. He's the great I am. He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And by him, not only were all things created, not only, not only were they created and held by him, man, by him, all things actually consist. What a superhero Jesus is. And I don't know about you, but he's pretty good at being my savior. You know, he's never let me down. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's been the same yesterday, today. And I know from the authority of God's word that he'll be the same forever and ever and ever. Man, that's a great superhero. And obviously, we could go on about all the things that Jesus has done and all the things that he continues to do. But this morning, from our text, I just want us to see a few little things that we might be able to learn. And so look with me. If you're a note-taker, first of all, our greatest superhero, Jesus, he gives us peace. He gives us peace. Are you thankful for the peace of Jesus this morning? I feel like I'm trying to raise the dead this morning. Our greatest superhero gives us peace. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Look at verse number 19. It says the same day at evening, being the first day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, why were they doors shut? It says right here in this verse, for fear of the Jews came Jesus. Hold on a second. The doors are locked shut. They're in a room, and how does Jesus get in there? You think he knocked at the door? You think he was like, Ali, alley, I'm come free. It's me. No. He supernaturally is in the room. Can you imagine our God, who is not restricted by time or space, these guys are locked up in a room, and all of a sudden, it says here in verse number 19, came Jesus and stood in the midst What a Savior. And notice what he says. He says, peace be unto you. It's amazing to me that on the very first Resurrection Sunday, the very first thing that Jesus says is peace be unto you. I think he was pretty spot on saying peace be unto you because these guys were locked up. They were shut up in a room. Why? For fear of the Jews. And make sure that they understood and knew that it was him. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 or our text says that when he had said this, he showed unto them his hands and his sides. And then were the disciples glad, and, and it says, when they saw the Lord. See, they locked themselves up in fear because they were terrified, scared, and afraid. But when they actually realize that Jesus is in their midst, their fear and their sadness, watch this, begins to turn to joy. By the way, the only one that brings us joy is Jesus. The only one who brings us peace is Jesus. The only one that brings us hope is Jesus. And we can go on and on and on. In fact, if you go over to Luke's account, I love how Luke actually gives us a little more information. In Luke 24, in verse number 39, he tells us that Jesus said these words. He says, behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Now watch what he he takes a step further. He's not even saying, hey, just look. Watch, he says, handle me and see. In other words, touch I want you to go ahead and feel me. I want you to not only see the scars, I not only want you to see the the holes in my hands, I not only want you to see where they nailed me to the cross in my feet, but I want you to handle me because I want you to know that it is me. I want you to know that I am real and that I am alive. Because he knew that once they understood that he was alive, that that is what would bring them ultimate peace. Verse 21, look again, he says to them again, he says, the second time, he says, peace be unto you. Again, the fear and anxiety is replaced with peace. And folks, this isn't some kind of subjective feeling of peace, like uh, hope is, like I hope this happens, or man, I I feel kind of peaceful today, but if my uh, apple cart gets turned over upside down, I'm not going to be very peaceful. It's not some kind of subjective feeling of peace, but this is an objective reality of peace. He is literally standing in their midst. By the way, I would suggest that peace is what we need most. We need peace with God. If, you're not, if you don't really recognize that today, we need peace with God. You see, Scripture says that we've all sinned. We've all broken God's commands. We've broken His rules. we failed to obey Him. And the Bible actually refers to our sin as a declaration of war against God. You say, well, I didn't do anything. All I, was, I, I was just born. Well, the reality is when Adam sinned, sin came into the world and death because of sin passed upon all men so that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so all men have sinned and so the disciples understand this. And so when Jesus shows up in their midst and he says, peace be unto you, and not only does he say it once, he says it twice. That's a great comfort. Our motto is typically, Lord, I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to do what I want. Am I not right? In life, sometimes our motto is, Lord, thanks thanks for the memories. Thanks for the good stuff, Lord. Thanks for the blessing. Thanks for the free ticket to heaven. Thanks for wiping my slate clean. Lord, thanks for giving me this. Thanks for doing that. We, we, we acknowledge all those good things, but typically our motto on the heels of all of that is, Lord, I'm just going to do things my way today. I know you got your hands full with my wife. Lord, I know you got your hands full with my husband. So, I'll, I'm going to do things my way today so that you can focus on getting my husband right. I'm going to focus on doing things your way so you can get my kids right. Lord, I'm going to do things <laughs> my boss needs you, Jesus. I have some co-workers that need you today, and so I'm going to take care of things on my own. Folks, that's not a good recipe for success. Listen, this is why we need peace with God. I feel, it's, I feel like this is why Jesus actually shows his disciples his hands and his feet and all the scars. It's almost like Jesus was saying to his disciples, it's like, hey guys, I've completed my mission. Hey, just in case you didn't know, when I sat on the cross, it was finished. Just in case you thought I was still in the, in the grave. Just in case you thought that that tomb was still sealed shut. He said, I just wanted to show up and let you know that I have completed my mission. I purchased your peace. In fact, I'm the one that Isaiah spoke about. I'm the one that Isaiah spoke about in Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, saying, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And watch this, the chastisement of our what? Peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. That's good news. I think of what Paul said to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. In verse number 14 and 15, he, he reminds us that Jesus is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished, watch, here comes this word enmity. He says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity... Remember a moment ago I said that we've all sinned and that our sin is basically a declaration of war against God. Scripture refers to our, our anger and our sin almost as if we are at enmity with God. That means there is a hostility that has brewed between us and God. And so this is pretty important when Ephesians actually says here in verse 15, having abolished, watch this, in his flesh the enmity of or hostility even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances for to make in himself of twain speaking of jew and gentile one new man so making peace listen you don't have peace this way until you have peace this way do we understand that listen there's not going to be peace in the workplace. There's not going to be peace in your home. There's not going to be peace anywhere until we are recognizing the peace that runs this way. And guess what? I really shouldn't say this way. I should say this way. Because peace was brought down to you and me. All we need to do is actually believe it and receive it. Amen? Man, that's pretty good. I didn't even write that down. (laughs) Somebody got a pen? I want to write that down before I forget it because I'm starting to be real forgetful. Maybe some of you can identify. Okay, guys, Jesus is our peace. The world didn't give you peace. Jesus gave you peace. Your job does not give you peace. Jesus gives you peace. Here's a here's a hard saying. Your bank account does not give you peace. It can crumble just like that. In fact, they're talking about some kind of currency now that's not even real. It's like online or something. I don't even understand it all. I, I need some college-age young person. High school, college, middle school probably knows what it's all about. guys, When we start to think that our peace is coming from anywhere other than Jesus, we're setting ourselves up for problems. He is our peace because He has actually reconciled you and me to God in what He did through His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Peace is a gift, and that only way we can receive peace is through faith. You say, faith? What's faith got to do with it? Well, Romans chapter 5. In verse number one, says, therefore, being justified by faith. The, the idea of being justified is, is this idea that God looks on you and me. If you have Jesus, God looks on you and me, and he says, guess what? I look on Greg just as if he never sinned, and my wife will say, no, that's a lie. But that's how God sees me. See, he sees the blood of Jesus covering me and my sinfulness. Not because I'm great, but because Jesus is great. See, watch this, it says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. To have the peace by faith means that I trust, it means that we trust, and that we depend on Jesus day in and day out. And in our text, Jesus reminds his disciples twice about this peace, which if you recall, before he dies, Jesus took time, remember he he eats the Passover meal with his disciples. He gives them an example of serving them. And he starts to talk with them in John 14. And, and he's sharing, you know, in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. If you believe in God, believe also in me. And he's, he's given this dialogue. And they're not really sure what's going on. And he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And, and, and they all say, well, we don't know the way. We don't know the truth. We don't understand what you're saying. But by the time he gets down to verse number 27 in John chapter 14, here's what Jesus says. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be, watch this, afraid. For you and me and for his disciples who had shut themselves into a room for fear of the Jews, Jesus shows up in their midst and he says, peace be unto you. Can I tell you, he's in this place today and he's saying, peace be unto you. There's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to walk in fear because I am your peace. Amen. To be sure, the reality is we either allow the peace that Jesus brings to permeate our lives or we tend to live in fear. And I'm going to be very transparent with you. There have been times where I've succumbed to fear. Has anybody else joined me on that horrible journey of succumbing to fear in your life? Have you ever been fearful of anything? Only me? (laughs) I'm the only one, babe. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Out of the mouths of children come the sincerity of the heart. I think in this moment, I don't want to embarrass him. In this moment, do you know what we just heard? We heard the truth of the heart speak. See, sometimes we get our halo on too tight. We don't want anybody to know that we're fearful, we don't, want to know, we don't want anybody to know that we're struggling or that we're not really uh, per- letting the peace of Jesus permeate our lives because I'm afraid of what Krista will think. You know, my wife's very kind to let me use her as illustration. Very, very kind. Just because they're all true doesn't mean anything else. We, we get so worried about what everybody else is thinking. Can I encourage you today? For the rest of this year, let's try to be more concerned with what God thinks. Could we? Could we just do that? I mean, that's not even in my notes either. Could we just be more concerned with what the Lord thinks? Man, I think we'd look back on this moment, May the 1st. Like when we get to the end of December, Tracy, around your birthday, right? We get to the end of December we could look back and say, man, you know what? I decided this year in May to be a little more concerned with what Jesus thinks rather than what the world thinks. I think we'd do ourselves a favor. That's just a side thought. His disciples had locked the door because they're fearful. Sometimes, watch this, I think sometimes we lock the door. We lock the door metaphorically, proverbially, whatever you want to say, we lock the door many times because we're fearful of what is going to happen next. And what we need to understand is that there is nowhere you, nowhere I, nowhere we can go that Jesus isn't there. I know there's a great deal of, uh, of thought behind, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm a little like Jonah today. I'm going to hide from the Lord. How did that work out for Jonah? The Lord knew exactly where he was. Jonah was trying to run. Interestingly enough, you know, the disciples, they struggled with fear too. Interestingly enough, I think about not only does he share this peace with them now, but you know, all the disciples, they ended up giving their lives for Jesus. But you go to the book of the Revelation and you find Jesus talking about peace in in another way, but we'll see it in in Revelation chapter 1. He's talking to John who has been exiled right to the Isle of Patmos because of his faith, because he wouldn't stop talking about Jesus. By the way, we were talking about persecution in the Sunday school class I was in this morning, and the reality is, and Chuck, I don't know who said it, but somebody was talking about boiling people. That's what they tried to do to John. They tried to boil him alive, and when nothing happened to him, they said, guess what, we have no choice. We've got to banish him to the Isle of Patmos. But I'm guessing even while he was alone on the Isle of Patmos, that he still had some moments of fear, And you say, well, where do you get that? Well, because in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 17, Jesus says this to John. He says, fear not. He says, John, remember, remember, you're still serving me. You're still serving the great I am. You're still serving the one who told you long ago, peace be with you. You're still serving the one who I told you that I was going to give you peace. Right, And that if I didn't go away, peace wouldn't come and the comforter wouldn't come. But he says, I'm telling you. He says, fear not, for I am the first and the last. Look at verse 18. He said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Woo! I think I can have peace knowing that. Because of Jesus, we can remain calm in the midst of fearful circumstances. We can sing during times of suffering, and we can truly live the abundant life, not because... Uh, of some kind of, quota, uh, some kind of status quo that we've reached, but we can live the abundant life because His peace is never, ever dictated by any situation that we find ourselves in. His peace, His peace affects and overrules over- every area of our lives. If you'll show this table, I want to give you some helpful thoughts here. The peace that Jesus gives versus the peace that the world gives. If you want to take a picture of it, that's fine. You can look at it later. But the reality is that the peace that Jesus gives is true. I said it's true. It's solid. It's substantial. The peace that the world offers is false. It's a lie. It's false hope. The peace that Jesus gives is on the inside. The peace that the world offers is on the outside. It's, and here's what it is. It's like the world says, hey, you can have peace. And that peace is, it comes to the point where you're like saying... Okay, if I'm feeling good, I feel peaceful. If I'm I'm experiencing success in my life, I feel peaceful. If everything's good with the kids, I feel peaceful. If everything is running according to me, myself, and I, then it's peaceful. But the moment that I start feeling bad, by the way, if you woke up this morning feeling good, you ought to praise Jesus. Because tomorrow you might wake up and go, oh my, what happened? And maybe you woke up this morning saying, oh my, you still ought to praise Jesus. Because he gave you breath. See, the world that Jesus gives is internal. The peace of the world is external at best. The peace that Jesus gives is lasting and durable. The peace of the world is unstable and short-lived. Jesus' peace carries us through difficult times. We're living in, in some troublesome times right now. And if you have the peace of Jesus, it'll see you through. The peace that the world offers will not support us in times of trouble. You know, in the, when Paul was writing to the church at Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 15, he says these words, he says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now what he's saying when he says let the peace of God rule, that word rule means to arbitrate or to govern. And so whatever you're facing today, sir, Whatever you're facing today, man, what, what Paul is saying and what he's reminding us is to let God's peace arbitrate the situation. Let God's peace be in a ruling, in a ruling uh, 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 ability in your life, not to be trusting in your own abilities, but to be trusting in God's. And since I said we're living and surrounded by many troublesome times, day in and day out, this can be a difficult proposition, can't it? To let the peace of God rule in our hearts. But folks, the peace that only Jesus can bring, ruling or governing in our hearts. If it's ruling or governing in our hearts on the inside, then guess what? It's going to be displayed on the outside. People are going to start to say, what's up with that guy? That, that, That lady is so peaceful. I mean, her... Exterior, externally speaking, it seems as though her world is crashing in all around her. Why is she so peaceful? And to be honest, the world doesn't understand peace from God. They really don't understand peace. And how do you expect the world to understand it until they actually experience it? Again, his disciples, they had locked themselves in a room because they were fearful. So our greatest superhero, not only he reminds them that he's giving them peace, but secondly... Our greatest superhero, he grants them and he grants us power. In verse 22 of our text, go back to verse 22 of our text, it says this And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Now, through scripture, we're told again and again that it's the spirit that empowers us as believers. But if you go back to John chapter 16, and I think it's good for you, flip back just two pages, look in John chapter 16, Jesus had already tried to explain a little bit about the Holy Spirit's soon coming arrival, and he does this right before he dies. Look at verse number seven. In verse number seven, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. Remember, they're not sure why he's going away, and he says, hey, listen, It's expedient. Now that word expedient is a big boy word and it just means it's profitable, right? It just means it's profitable. It's a good thing that I go away is what he's saying to his disciples. Watch this. He says, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. So when Jesus breathes on them, He's actually confirming the fact that he was actually alive. Remember, he let him touch his hands and check out the scars, and then he breathes on them. Guess what? He's reminding them that he is back fully capable of breathing and doing what he has always done. By the way, when, when he created the dust of the earth, he formed it. And what does the Bible say? He breathed into man's nostrils. Who gave man nostrils? Yeah, the very one who gave us breath. And man became a living soul. That's what the book of Genesis tells us. And so he further confirms the fact that he's alive. But when he breathes on them, he's also signifying the spiritual life and power that they were about to receive. And by the way, he had already discussed it with them as I read. And so he's confirming his identity. He's uh, confirming his authority and his power over death. this was Jesus, the source of all power, pointing his disciples to what was just about to happen. Oh, listen, he's pointing them onward. In the day that they would be infused completely with the Holy Spirit's power on the day of Pentecost, Colossians 1, 13, points out the truth that every believer has been delivered from the power or authority of darkness and that we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. In other words, if you're a believer, I got good news for you. If you're a believer, you have been freed from the power of darkness. You say, man, will I fight? the power of the darkness all the time absolutely that's a real thing but if you have Jesus you have been freed from the power of darkness so what am I saying we need to quit blaming the power of darkness and take some responsibility sometimes for our own actions remember the devil he only walks about seeking whom he may devour he is not omnipresent let me say that again he is not omnipresent we give the devil a bad rap He's already got a rap sheet. He doesn't need us to add on to it. He's a liar and a murderer. But he doesn't always... He's not always the one causing us to sin and to make decisions that are in opposition to God's word. We do a good job of that many times on our own. In Matthew 28, Jesus proclaims in verse number 18 that all power had been given unto him in heaven and earth... So the beautiful reality of life is that he has conferred in us the very same power that he had. Romans 8, 37 teaches us a principle that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Ephesians 4, 27 says, Neither give place to the devil. And while I'm aware that verse 27 follows verse number 26, which is talking about letting not the sun go down upon our wrath, there's a greater principle at work in this verse. Look at it again. Neither give place to the devil. You and I need to quit allowing the devil to dictate our lives. He'll dictate it day in and day out if we let him. With Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God, we've been given the power we need to deal, the power to deal with and the power to overcome anything we face. Ephesians 6.10 actually says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? His might. I love how James actually indicates that with God's power, watch this, with James, he says that with God's power, we can actually cause Satan to retreat. Have you ever seen Satan retreat? You're like, no, I've never seen that. You need to buy up James 4, 7. Because in James 4, 7, the Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Oh, friends, left to ourselves, we are no match for the devil. Can I, left to ourselves, we're no match for the devil. Do you agree? But here's what I want to encourage you with. Through the Spirit's power, the devil is no match for us. You're like, whoa, you're messing with, you're messing with fire, bro. You're mess- no, I'm not. The Bible just said it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts. Right? Stop being double-minded. Once we draw nigh to God, the Bible says he's going to draw nigh to us. If we'll submit ourselves to God, if we'll, we'll say, yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. Yes, Lord, I'm going to walk in humble obedience to you and what you want me to do today. I'm going to answer uh, what you've told me to do today. When we submit ourselves to God and then we say, no, devil, I say, no, 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 no. I'm walking with Jesus today. The Bible says he'll flee from us. There's a great lesson there. I always use James 4, 7 when I think of how terrorists... Actually, think. You see, terrorists are always looking for easy targets when we let our guards down. They're not wanting to strike a hardened target. They're wanting to strike an easy target when we let our guards down, and that's what the devil does too. And just before his ascension to the Father, I love you know, they always say final words are important. Jesus in Acts chapter one and verse eighty shares his final words with his disciples, and here's what he says He says, But ye shall receive what? Power. Power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Interestingly enough, as he's preparing to depart, he had already shared peace. He had already talked about peace. And as he's getting ready to depart, he's reassuring them that they're going to not only have peace, but they're also going to have power again after he leaves. Not only is he going to send the comforter, not only are they going to have peace, but now he's reassuring them that the Holy Spirit of God, which he is going to send and give is going to bring them power that will enable them to do what they're not able to do on their own. The same is true for you and me. I can do nothing without Jesus. That's what John 15, 5 talks about. He's the vine, we are the branches, right? I can do nothing without him. And so Jesus gives us peace, he grants us power, but here it is, here it is, the culmination. Everybody's saying, praise the Lord, it's 1057, he's going to wrap it up. Mark it down, this may not happen ever again. (laughs) See, he gives gives us peace, and he grants us power. But friends, can I tell you, right here in our passage, he does so to guide us to our purpose. The reason he's given us peace, the reason he's given us power, is because he says, guess what? Hey, quit hiding in this room, disciples. I've got a job for you. As the Father sent me, even so send I you. I've got, your, your mission's not over. My mission is completed. I'm going to go back to the Father. And it's a good thing that I go to the Father because when I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit of comfort. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you into all truth. And with the Holy Spirit's power, you're going to be able to do greater things than you could even think or imagine. And he's saying the same thing to us. Back in Acts chapter 1, look at this again. I said... The first part of it, Jesus said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The first part speaks about the power that we're granted, but the rest of the verse points to our purpose. Here's the purpose of his peace and his power. He says, and ye shall be, watch it, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. Oh, the peace of God is given and the power of God is granted. Why? Because Jesus wants us to use it. He wants us to appropriate it. He wants it to be used to guide us to our purpose. And our purpose is to share the love and the truth of the gospel with other people. We are his witnesses. Jesus was telling them and he's telling us now to go into the world And tell them what you've seen. Go into the world and tell them what you've heard. Go into the world and tell them what you've experienced. By the way, I think most of all Jesus was telling them to go into the world and tell them that I came to rescue them. I came as the great rescuer. By the way, if we have seen, if we have heard, and if we have experienced Jesus in our lives, it should be seen in how we live our lives. Just as the Father had sent and given Jesus for the purpose of redeeming the world, he said to his disciples then, and saying to you and I now, I'm sending you out with a purpose as well, and that purpose can be seen in Scripture. In 2 Timothy 1, in verse 7 and following, here's what the Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's just stop for a second and look at that verse. Be honest. There's got to be somebody in this room right now Got to be somebody watching online right now who's struggling with a little bit of fear or anxiety. Can I remind you again, even though we're talking about our purpose at this point of the message, this is a great reminder of Scripture. God has not given us a spirit of fear. You see, when the Holy Spirit of God comes in, He takes away that fear. See, Jesus comes in. And Jesus says, hey, guess what? Here's a gift. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit of comfort who's going to lead God and direct your life. And if you allow him to lead God and direct your life, there's no reason to be fear because he's not a spirit of fear. He's a spirit of power. He's got the power. And if God has the power and God, Jesus says, guess what? I'm going to give you access to the power through the spirit. Then guess what? You and I can say, we got the power. That's all you get. <laughs> no, he says, that's not all you get. He says, he didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you power. And watch this. Here's one where we forget a lot of time, and then we're like, oh, it's a namby pamby preacher talking about love. You know, Jesus talked about love. We better get off this thing where we're all about truth and no love. Because if you want to be like Jesus, you got to actually be a little balanced, sir or ma'am. John said, when they beheld Jesus as of the only begotten of the Father, he was full of grace and truth. He was full of love and truth. I tell people all the time, well-meaning people, who are great bastions of truth, if you have no love, then guess what? The world doesn't even recognize you as a disciple of Jesus. Because Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another. And if you love one another, then the world will actually know that you are my disciples. It doesn't say if you go out and you do this or you do that or you tell people or you beat people down, it doesn't say that they're going to recognize you. It says, If you love people, they're going to know that you're one of my disciples. Why? Because Paul says here, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And watch this a steel trap. A sound mind. Listen, we gotta quit letting the world talk to us. We gotta, by the way, can I encourage you to watch something other than the news? I, I'm telling you, the news will will break you down. Man, listen to some listen to some Christian music. Listen to something. Get, in, get into scripture and read a little bit of scripture. Man, we're letting we're letting the world pollute our minds day in and day out. Everything pollute, 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 pollute. And then we wonder why. We wonder why things are waxing worse. Man, watch it. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Verse 8, be not thou therefore, watch it, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partakers, be involved of the afflictions of the gospel according to the what of God? Who has saved us and called us, here it comes, with a what calling? A holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own... There it is again, His own purpose. Not my purpose. It's His purpose. His purpose and, watch, His purpose and... What's another word for grace? Say it. Another word for grace? Mercy, love. Right? Right? which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Guess what? I'm headed for heaven. There's nothing I can do to help it. I I got a home that's undefiled, it's reserved, it's incorruptible, and it's reserved in heaven for me, kept by the power of God. Phew. I'm going there someday. What is our holy calling? Paul writes to the Corinth church in 2 Corinthians 5 saying, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, verse 17, He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us a purpose. That's what he's saying, has given us a purpose, and the purpose is the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And then in verse 20 now then we are ambassadors for Christ. Just as his disciples were then, Jesus, where they were his representatives, we are now his ambassadors. And as his ambassadors, I tell people this all the time, you can take a, a nice little tour through the book of Ephesians, starting in Ephesians chapter 4, right? You can go Ephesians 4, one, Ephesians 5.2, 5, 5.8. 5, you can go to uh, Ephesians 5.15 and following, but you could also go to Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 5, and you'll find that we're to walk worthy of our calling. Walk worthy of our calling or our purpose. We're to walk in love just as Christ has loved us. We're to walk as children of light and stay away from the unfruitful works of darkness. We're to walk in wisdom towards them who still need to know that Jesus saves, ensuring that our speech is always filled with grace and seasoned with salt. In John chapter 19, 30, Jesus said, It is finished. He said, the work, the work is finished. The ransom note, if you please, has been paid in full for our sins. Jesus said it's finished, right? I want to make sure we know that. I don't save anybody. All I do is do the sharing. Jesus does the saving. We do the the proclaiming and the sharing, and He does the saving. In Psalm 145, notice what Scripture says. It says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise the works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. 107.2, Psalm 107.2, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We used to sing a a chorus all the time uh, about this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Oh yes, for those who know and have trusted Christ, the greatest superhero of all, Jesus, we've been blessed and given a peace that the world doesn't understand. We've actually been granted a power that the world cannot grasp. And we've been guided to a purpose to share Jesus with a world that needs to hear about him and his great love for them. I would suggest with our peace, his power, and the purpose, we've been given everything we need to get the job done. We have nothing to fear but fear itself, right? We need to get the job done. We need to get the job done while we still have time. We still have the opportunity it was Blaise Pascal, and I share this quote, the French physicist and philosopher. He's the one who is credited with once saying there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled with any created thing, but only the God, the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. Listen, perhaps you're here, perhaps you're watching online, and you know in your heart that there's still a vacuum. There's still a vacuum in your heart that needs to be filled. Can I tell you? That the greatest superhero of all, Jesus Christ, is the only one. He's the only way. He's the only truth that will fill that place. You're here and you say, Man, I still, have, I still have this space in my heart that feels like a vacuum. Jesus is the only one who will fill up that space. Listen, he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross. You've heard the gospel from this church over and over. He was, he died on the cross, right? He was buried in a borrowed tomb, he arose from the dead victoriously and he did all of those things so that you and i could experience his forgiveness his salvation and the abundant life that only he that only he can bring so if you need jesus the question is simple it it really is it's like do you believe Number one, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross? Do you believe that he was buried? Do you believe that he rose again three days later conquering death, hell, and the grave and that he paid the penalty for your sin? Do you believe it? And then number two, here's the big question. Do you believe enough to stop walking this way in your own way and turn around and say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to walk according to your word and to your way? And if the answer to both of those is yes, then there's no reason in this world for you not to trust Jesus as your Savior right now. And you don't need Pastor Greg to do it. You've heard the Word of God. If the Spirit of God is moving in your heart, I'm not saving anybody. What you need to do is just call out upon the name of the Lord. And the Bible says you should be saved, amen? You say, well, I don't know how to do it. Just be honest with God. Just be honest with Him and say, I blew it. Maybe you don't want to say I blew it, right? Just say, God, I need you. I need you. I need you in the best I know how. I'm asking you. Your, your word says that you died for me. I, I believe that. I believe what you've done on the cross. I believe that you died, buried, and rose again. I believe that. And since you already know I'm a sinner, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to come inside of my life and to begin to change me. Listen, you do that on your own. Because when you pray a prayer like that, you're not praying to me. You're not praying with me. You're praying to Jesus. And I guarantee you, when you pray that prayer, he'll answer you. And he'll begin to do a work in your life Your head will start to swim. And by the way, the rest of your family's head will start to swim too. Because guess what? Your friends will start to wonder what happened to you. Your husband might wonder what happened to you. Your kids might, mom and dad might wonder what happened to you. Your kids might wonder what happened to you. Grandpa, grandma, auntie, Ann, uncle, uncle, Bob, whoever you are, whatever it is. I can tell you that when Jesus comes in, things begin to change. They begin to change. And you start to see things not from your own lens or your own perspective. You start to see things from his perspective. So I encourage you today, if the answer was affirmative on those questions, then to trust Jesus. But perhaps you're here and you say, Pastor, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Jesus gave us peace. I get it. Pastor, he gave us peace. Yeah, I hear he grants us power. Through the Holy Spirit. And, and maybe you're about as excited as I'm displaying the excitement right now. But Pastor, I've not taken up the opportunity to do a real good job with that purpose. Maybe your prayer today would be, God, help me to be better at sharing the gospel with people. Do you know that right now, today, around the world, people are dying? And I don't know the numbers because I don't have the statistics. But I would dare to say that there are many people that are dying or who have died, even while we've had this service this morning, that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's so important. It's so important that we not only take the peace of God and the power of God into our lives, but it's important that we remember our opportunity and our purpose to share that peace and to share that power and that love with people who need to do it. And so maybe your prayer today would be, Pastor, pray that I would buy up the opportunities this week to tell people about Jesus. Maybe that's your prayer. I pray that whatever your decision needs to be, that you'll do business with God wise near. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. The reality that not only do we have the peace of God and the peace from God, but God, we have peace with God. Lord, we're thankful for that because of what Jesus did that we could have peace with you. Lord, we're thankful that you not only were willing to die in our place, but you promised that you would send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of power, the Spirit of comfort, the the Holy Spirit that produces work in our lives. Lord, we're thankful for that power. Lord, we can give you the praise for the peace and the power all day and not understand that we also have a purpose. So Lord, today I pray that you'll burden our hearts, that we'll be about your purpose, that your purpose will become our purpose, and that as we go away from this place this week, we'll see the urgent need to tell people, that Jesus loves them. God, I pray that we'll see the urgent need to tell our family to make sure that our family knows that Jesus loves them. God, that we'll buy up the opportunities in the workplace and in our neighborhoods and in the marketplace to get to know people, to share that love and to share that truth. And we'll let let this peace and the power and the purpose be a part of our lives in a greater way. Jesus, I pray that if there was somebody here, somebody watching that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that they've already prayed that prayer, that they've already made that decision to trust Christ, that they've already done business with the Lord, and that they would recognize it, and that they would, they would go away from this place different from when they came in, or maybe they would turn off the computer different from when they started watching. If you are here this morning, you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer and I meant business with Jesus for the first time in my life. I really got real with Jesus. Would you just look at me? Just look at me. I don't want to point you. I see you, young man. Bless your heart. Somebody else. Somebody else say, "I, I, I meant that for the first time in my life. I see you, man. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Somebody else. Somebody else say, I meant that. I called out upon the name of the Lord. Maybe you're here and you say, Power pastor I'm one of the ones that need to to realize that peace and that power and to exercise it understanding that I have a greater purpose would you pray for me that I might fulfill the purpose that God has for me day in and day out in the coming days would you just look at me and say pray for me pastor I'm, I'm, yes, bless your heart, bless your heart. Say, pray for me. I want to, I want to be about his purpose and not my own. Yes, I see you. Bless your heart, bless your heart, bless your heart. I see you back there. Bless your heart. Yes, sir, I see you. Somebody else say, I, I want, yes, ma'am, I see you all the way in the back. Bless your heart. Praying for your husband. Amen. Uh, yes, I see you. I want to fulfill the purpose that Jesus, God bless you. So good to see you. Praise the Lord for all he's done recently in your all's life. Praise the Lord. I see you, buddy. God bless you. Yes, sir, I see you. All right. Father, we love you. We thank you for the decisions that have been made this morning. God, as we sing this song of invitation, God, we open up your altar. It's your altar. It's not a place of embarrassment, but a place of acknowledgement that we can come to, that we can offer our petitions, we can offer our praises with thanksgiving. God, and we can make our prayer requests known unto thee. Lord, I pray that we'll make use of it as you lead us and guide us, and we'll give you the praise for all of it. In Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen and amen.